What a beautiful space to come and minister into. I just feel like there's such open hearts, there's such an open heaven. And just as we were singing, come Holy Spirit, come Jesus, it just struck me, the beauty, that we don't, we're not calling him from far away, come Jesus, like from wherever you are, please come near to me. He's near, he's right here. And when we say, come Holy Spirit, come Jesus, it's like we're opening our arms for an embrace because he's right here, so willing to come close, 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 and to give us more of himself. So what really is on my heart from our time of waiting on God together, and it's not only me, we've been doing that as a team, um, but from waiting on God together, what I feel God really wants for this beautiful new season ahead It's just a number of things. I believe God wants to, it's already been said, wants to increase our spiritual eyesight. He wants us to see with also not only the eyes of our heart into the spiritual realm, but he also wants us to see with our physical eyes miracles and the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit like in the days, the early days of Acts and actually more. Um, He wants us also to be re-envisioned this morning and recommissioned, I believe. And he wants to anoint us for what he's commissioning us for. Because without the anointing, it's not going to happen, right? Uh, I believe he wants us to take up that commissioning and he wants to anoint us in a fresh way for what he's calling us into in this season. And he wants to restore his glory to his bride. He wants to release a whole new move of the Spirit to show His glory, and His glory will be shown in us, the glorious bride of Jesus. Terribly passionate about it, terribly excited about it. And I just hope the Holy Spirit, because, you know, one can speak hundreds of words. Nice. Everyone goes home and says, oh, yeah, it's true. But it's only the Holy Spirit that can minister that to our hearts and set our hearts on fire with such a personal revelation that it's actually a game changer. So my title, my text is Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, which is a quotation of Jesus from that text. And my title is Isaiah 61, Our Mandate. And it's this beautiful proclamation of a year of God's favor. So I want to say to you, every year is a year of God's favor. Of course, we live in the era of favor because of Jesus and what he did. But this year, I just believe God wants us to take that as a reality in which we live, not just a theological truth, a reality, a year of God's favor. Because this chapter defines and expresses so beautifully the good news that is our mission and our mandate. And that is why Jesus, as he entered the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry, why he took the scroll, the scroll that was handed him was the scroll of Isaiah 61, and he began to proclaim it as his mission for planet Earth. Exciting. I believe, well, in my life, it was a personal mandate for me from the time I was about 17 and read it out in a school assembly. The Holy Spirit started to say to me, this is for your life. But I believe it's for every single one of us as believers. And I believe in a special sense, because God's laid it on our hearts for this time, that it's a mandate for us as a church to look at in a new way and to pick up on in a new way. The local church, this community, but also the body of Christ. 
Um, so very, very excited. Fresh envisioning, fresh anointing. You know, anointing, I actually looked it up again. It's defined as the smearing or rubbing on of oil of the Holy Spirit, of course. I mean, it's done, maybe only just physically sometimes, but it's certainly been done through the ages for monarchs as they crowned. Um, It's done in many traditions for priests. Um, It confers a holy divine office on those who receive it. And of course, when it's not just a ritual of oil, and when we know that that is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, when we're anointed by the Holy Spirit, like the prophets and so on and kings were in biblical times, there's a special power, there's an empowering that comes to us to pick up the mandate that God is commissioning us to run with. So, no further ado, let's turn to the text. Isaiah 61, first three verses. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And now Luke, um, where Jesus picks up the scroll and reads. And before he read, he said to them, it says in verse 21, further down in Luke 4, he, he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And this is what Jesus said. He quoted just the first two verses from the first two verses. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So let's begin by comparing these two texts. Isaiah text with the Luke text, text. And let's see the difference in the way Jesus presented it. Okay, he, he only quoted the first two verses, but we're going to look at how, what the difference was between, between those two. The words of Isaiah, of course, were given prophetically. It was a word of prophecy for his particular time, the era in which he lived. There was levels of prophetic words, and that was for his era. But it was also, in a more um, significant way, a foreshadowing of the coming of the Messiah, right? Jesus, through whom it found fulfillment. Now, did you notice that the words of Jesus, in quoting those first two verses, he actually stops short of the part of verse two that says, the day of vengeance of our God. He doesn't say that. Why? Because Jesus came to take upon himself all the wrath and the vengeance of God. He took, when he died on the cross, he took our sins, he took our sicknesses, he took the list of iniquities that were jotted jotted up against us. He took every curse upon himself. He took the punishment for our sins on himself 
and he removed it. For those who received him, all of that is removed. The wrath of God is removed by Jesus. And that is the most wonderful, wonderful truth. When we receive salvation, there's no longer a cloud of punishment, or as we were talking about the other day, there's no longer a cloud of disfavor upon us. We have his favor. And I really felt from the Spirit that God wanted us to receive that, not just as the theological truth today, but into the very core and fiber of our inner being. We have his favor. We live in his favor. And it's a truth the enemy constantly tries to steal from us. Uh, he doesn't want us to know that because he just wants to knock our confidence. He wants to get rid of our momentum. He wants us to shrink back in terms of what we're feeling, our emotions, our thoughts. Um, he tried to rob it from Jesus, remember? It's, it's also an identity. Am I the favored, beloved son of God? And we know we are, right? As redeemed children of God. He said to Jesus in the wilderness, if you're the son of God, if, come on, let's see your miracles. Where's your power? Turn these stones into bread. Jump from the highest point of the temple. Come on, come on. Taunting. Are you who you say you are? Are you a son of, are you the son of God? Well, Jesus did not fall prey to the enemy's lies. We know he withstood them in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power that the Father gave him. And he left the wilderness in power. It says he went back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And I, I just believe that the, the Lord is wanting to encourage us today to not fall prey to the enemy's lies. Don't fall prey to to the enemy's lies, that we are victims, that somehow we are living in the disfavor, as we talked about the other day, that we lack breakthrough, that we lack power so that we can just cringe back. And perhaps we don't embrace it theologically, but somehow in our life, in our emotional life, in our mental life, we feel this cloud of, maybe I'm just not right in, right in the right place. I haven't received breakthrough. I haven't. I believe what God wants us to break with that today and to embrace deep within our hearts and spirit that we live as beloved children. Our identity is favored sons and daughters of God, that we live in the fullness of his favor and the power of his anointing. Another theological truth that we're all very familiar with is that when we receive the gift of salvation, we invite Jesus into our hearts, right? We invite Jesus into our hearts, Holy Spirit lives in us. Great. But often when we read a text like Isaiah 61, we're like, wow, that was the beautiful mission of Jesus. And that's what he came to earth to do. And we're going to take this commission of Jesus and we're going to present it to people. But there's not that personal embracing of that truth in a way that this is my mission. It doesn't come that close. And I want us to connect the dots today. If Jesus lives within us, his mission and our mission are one and the same. And I believe he wants to take that into a deeper place in our own hearts. The Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that anoints us for the mission that he's called us to live and to fulfill. Um, we are to declare it, but not only to live it in the authentic fabric of our everyday life, to reflect the compassionate heart of God, to shine in the darkness, to bless, to minister, to draw others 
to him. That's God's plan for us, no matter what sphere of influence we operate in. So to draw others to him, yes. Who are these others? Let's remember from the text, those who mourn, those who are brokenhearted, the poor, those who find themselves in the ashes of despair, the captives, the prisoners. Now, okay, let's try and define that. Let's try and say who is that. Well, undoubtedly, those who don't yet know Jesus, right? Those who are not saved yet. Those who don't know him as Savior, who haven't received yet the gift of salvation. But there are also those who are believers and who are actually trapped and imprisoned by legalism, by religion, who haven't come into the freedom fully of knowing his grace and the freedom that there is in the spirit and the fullness of life. Um, and, and then, what about us? Yes, us too. How often are we weighed down by circumstances? How often are we bowed down? We feel totally bowed down, almost captive because of pain or sickness. Um, we feel wounded by the sorrows of life, scarred by the enemy. We, we don't feel like we're living in the fullness of the joy and the beauty and the gladness and the praise and the life that, that God wants for us. And so I think we should interpret these descriptions of the people that Jesus is bringing this divine exchange to in both a physical and a spiritual sense. There are those that we're taking the beautiful gospel of life in Jesus and fullness of life in him to the poor, the homeless, the refugees, those trapped in abusive situations, people who are suffering political injustice, injustice um, the sick, those needing medical and divine healing, those needing deliverance, those trapped by deceitful religions, I believe God is honestly going to commission us today to go outside the walls. Outside the walls of the church and also outside the comfortable walls of our own lives. We all have walls. You know, things that we, it's comfortable to mix with those people and not so much with those. And we've got our career and we've got... But I believe today, I believe Holy Spirit is going to lay on our hearts ways, specific ways in which he wants us to go beyond the walls that we've lived in thus far. Um, and I also believe that there's a new courage, a new boldness that he wants us to embrace. Um, this ministry that he's calling us to, let's just def define it. Let's kind of get it clear. It is obviously to those outside who are not yet believers, who don't know Jesus as their savior. It's also to the community of believers because we need to minister to each other. That's how we get to see the different facets and faces of God. That's how we receive the fullness of his gifts because there's a different flavor in each person, each believer who shares from their giftings and the fruits of their lives. Um, and the other aspect is that I think God wants us to know that we minister both in a practical, physical way and in a supernatural way. Let's not be afraid of this. All of us, whether they're friends, whether they're family, or whether we see their posts on social media, or we read about them, or we just listen to conversations in the restaurant, we're over here. There are people who are oppressed, lost, sick, suffering, in pain, in difficult situations, lost in many ways. And I think the Holy Spirit is just 
encouraging us. He's wooing us. He's saying, come on, church. Come on, people. Come on, beloved children of God. Exercise your God-given power to do something. To do something about it. Don't just say, God, we pray that you'll just do something here in this situation. Just move. We are called to be carriers of his power and his presence. We are called to be his hands and his feet. Um, and the Holy Spirit will give us the clues. He'll, he'll, he'll tell us exactly what we should do, when and how. Um, God wants to restore fullness of life to those who have never received it from him. And I believe he wants to restore fullness of life in the Spirit for born-again believers who are being robbed and sold short. Let's give Jesus, let's live fully in all he paid for us to receive. And there's a verse in Isaiah 42 that says this. But this people, this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes and they are hidden in prison houses. They are for prey and no one delivers. For plunder and no one says restore. And I believe that on the Spirit's heart today is to say, go on. I'm going to give you the courage. I'm going to empower you. I'm even going to tell you how to do it. Stand up and call, restore, restore in the hearts of your fellow Christians. Restore, restore. Jesus paid for much more, I believe, for all of us than we're living in. Restore. And for those who are out there and don't even know him yet, God wants to restore you. God wants to give you fullness of life so that you can live on this planet as you were designed to. Very excited about that. Anyone excited? Yay. <laughs> Ministering out of the overflow, the overflowing cup. Drinking, feasting on the Spirit, drinking from the Spirit, not ministering out of striving, keeping hungry and thirsty because there's more. There is more and more and more. It's that gift of salvation you give. It's the whole package, all the gifts, all the fruits. But it's this wonderful unpacking. And there's always more, always more. To live in the more of the fullness of the Spirit. Not an unsatisfied more, a satisfied, but wow, how good was that? More, more please, Jesus. Um, I feel almost a, a holy anger at how much the enemy has tried to rob us, particularly in the season, but yeah, over the centuries, really. The Holy Spirit has tried to rob us. And a friend of ours, a good friend, um, said this. He says this. He says, I become less and less willing to get robbed of my joy. Whatever is happening, less and less willing to get robbed of my joy. And you know what? Whatever the enemy brings, he cannot steal our joy because our joy is a divine download from heaven. It's not about circumstances. It's not about happy circumstances, happy me. Bad circumstances, down me. That's, in, that's a natural, but God's given us supernatural life, right? We're born by the Spirit into a supernatural life. And I remember when we were robbed maybe 15 years ago, um, you can ask for it back. Sevenfold or is it tenfold? Can't recall. But I said, you know what, God? Please give this to me in spiritual currency. For my inheritance, give me the lost. And when I think back over the years of all those who've come to Jesus, I'm like, Jesus, that is the real treasure. That's what I want. 
the rest comes anyway. I mean, he gives it to us anyway. Let us have an urgency for the real treasure. Don't let us be sold short. And don't let us be intimidated by the enemy. Um, Joy is ours, no matter what the darkness. Verse 10 of Isaiah 61 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he's clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he's arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy. The gospel of Jesus announced by the angel when he was born. I bring you good news of great joy. Who wants us if we're giving a gospel that is like so miserable? Great joy. We're like the angel. We're messengers too, like the angels are. We're messengers of this incredible mandate that he's given us. And we live in the great joy. Um, Despair is a common feeling, but it isn't part of our original design or part of our redemption. What Jesus and what the anointing of the Holy Spirit brings us is hope and expectation of good and the joy of his presence at any time. Hopeless thoughts, I believe, are a weapon of the enemy just to blind us to the presence of God and even to the nature of God, actually. When we focus on him and embrace his presence, his presence is a powerful immune system against poisonous thoughts of hopelessness. Let me say it again. I just love that. And it's it's a quote by Ty Green. It's not from me, but I love this quote. His presence is a powerful immune system against poisonous thoughts of hopelessness. And he goes on to say, if I see you clearly, God, I will be encouraged. How's that for sight of those inner eyes? If our sight, with the inner eyes, we see God clearly for who he really is, I will be encouraged. I love that. And I truly believe, and more and more, that the decisions of every day to choose what to see and how to see actually determine so much in our lives. I, I really believe that is key. It's like God is highlighting it more and more for me. Um, to choose what to see, what God is doing, even in a horrible situation, to choose to see what he's doing, what he has done, of course, with thankfulness in the past, what he's doing now, even in this strange, weird situation, and with the unseen eyes, uh, the, 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 um, the invisible eyes, to see into the invisible realms with our spirit, excuse me, spiritual eyes, to see what he is doing and what he wants to do in the spiritual so that we can carry that by faith in our hearts. We are often brought down because we realize how fragile we are. And this verse, I think, is so powerful because it kind of says it all. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And we can focus on our jar of clay sometimes. So I think we're all familiar with feeling somehow that we ourselves are vulnerable. We're in a vulnerable place. Everything's like not so reliable in our situation. Just this fragility of who we are and our circumstances. Anyone relate to that? Sometimes even feeling cracked and broken. 
But the point is, let's focus once again on the surpassing power, the power of God that is actually what we show and what we carry in these jars of clay. Our identity in Christ, being seated in heavenly places, being filled with a power, His power by which we live, the anointing, the infilling of the Spirit by which we live. No matter if the circumstances in, that, in which we live are cracked or broken, or our bodies are broken a little bit, not functioning so well, or our cars, where's my husband? Our cars are broken, or our circumstances don't look very promising and seem to not be functioning or seem to be winding down or whatever, they, whatever it might be. Let his power and his redeeming love shine through the cracks. We were talking about that on Tuesday, right? Just his power shining through the cracks. Um, joy seeping through the cracks. Beauty somehow coming through, even in, in those difficult times. His power, his anointing, f- functioning. And by his spirit, transforming this jar of clay into a treasure chest. That's what we are, his treasure chests. We carry the treasure of his spirit and his presence. Um, a beautiful thing. So I'm going to tell you about a dream I had. In the early hours of Christmas morning, God gave me a prophetic dream, heralding in a whole amazing new move of his spirit, I believe. Supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And I feel to just focus on the first part of the dream, but in the first part of that dream, a man came to me in an atmosphere of great love, tender love, and he placed a stone in my hand. And on the stone, there was a drawing and an engra- or an engraving of an open seeing eye. And as he placed it in my hand, as he gave it to me, he said, you're going to be pregnant. And I was full of joy hearing that. And later the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this. And he said, God wants to give us, that eye is the new sight God wants to give us. Deeper, greater spiritual sight to reveal more of his word, more of his nature, more of his heart to us through the spirit. And that involves our inner eyes, our inner eyes. But he also wants to open our physical eyes and allow us to see what he's doing, the ways he's moving now, the subtle nuances of how he's moving right now, and miraculous, supernatural miracles he's going to unleash in the season ahead. In fact, this next part of the dream, and I won't get into details, but what I saw in the dream were miracles like some of which I've seen in my lifetime, some of which I've never seen in my lifetime, almost on a scale um, like occurred in the age of Moses or certainly early church days, amazing miracles. And at the same time, I discovered on our holiday in an old bookshop, a book by William Branham, and I've been reading it. You know, William Branham had an incredible healing ministry. Um, He moved powerfully in the miraculous and supernatural. And it tells the story of his life and how often he used to see with his inner eyes, clearly, he used to see visions of people that he would encounter. He saw how they looked, um, 
what they looked like, what, and, and he also saw what was wrong with them. God gave him keys to exactly what they needed, what they lacked, what he was going to, and how he was going to pray and how they were going to be healed. And then he met those people um, in, anywhere, arbitrarily anywhere, or in a prayer line, and they were miraculously healed. And I just believe God, we've got to trust God for big things, for him to really up our inner eyes, that we're going to see beforehand things in the spirit where we know that is how I need to do it. Not this way, that way, not words, doing, no, words and doing, oh, this, exact. God is going to show us things, but we need to be hungry. We need to go after it. We need to take that in the spirit. Um, So very exciting. And then what I found interesting and also very significant was that this word about seeing in our hearts and with our eyes, the miraculous, was connected to the conception of something by which we would become pregnant by the Spirit. So something sown by the Spirit, if our hearts are open and we open our hearts, the Spirit wants to sow, He wants to conceive something deep within us that we faithfully grow, carry by faith and birth into the world to be manifest. It's not just a whole circus of all kinds of, you know, spiritual manifestations. Oh, goosebumps. Those are great. All of that's great. But it's connected to that deep intimacy by which he wants to birth things. An authentic, deep intimacy through which he's going to birth into the world um, this beautiful move of his spirit. And it, the, it ends with, without going into detail again, it ends with, actually a word about being led by worship that is victorious and powerful, that brings in the victory of the Redeemer for salvation, for deliverance, and for born-again believers living in the fullness of what the Spirit has, our full inheritance in Christ. So very, very exciting. But to embrace that, not just when we're on a spiritual high, to embrace that in the broken places of our lives. When the devil threatens to make us hopeless and despairing and feel dark in the midst of our difficulty and pain, the ugliness that we encounter, to say, Spirit, I'm taking from you that joy, that hope, that expectation of good. I'm taking from you that courage to reach out in power because you're going to enable me. Let's think of Mary for a moment. We ended in December with a word on Mary by Kirsty. And let's think of her. There she was, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and given this magnificent mandate, giving birth to the Savior of the world. But think a bit about her life. Her entire life, as she knew it at that time, was threatened. I mean, she was going to have her reputation sullied. She was, her whole relationship with Joseph was threatened. How was that all going to turn out? In fact, her whole life was turned upside down. And yet the Spirit, as he overshadowed her, enabled her to say, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for God has looked with favor on the lowliness of the Almighty's servant. Let us say that. If you've got an open heart today, say that right now in your spirit. Jesus whatever it means in my life, whatever changes, whatever, whatever. I receive your favor. I receive the glorious mandate that you have for me, and I receive it with joy. I'm going to grow this with joy in my life.
Yes? <laughs> Keep drinking. Being filled to overflowing with the Spirit. I really believe the church is totally done with striving. Oh, we're going to strive. Oh, this is my mission. What's your mission? What's the goals? What's the program? Let's get on it. It's from an overflowing heart, an overflowing spirit, filled, poured into our lives. The more, the more, the more of the spirit. We are priests of the Lord, ministers, royal ministers, right? Peter, remember Peter, what Peter says? You are chosen people, 1 Peter 2, 9, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Verse 6 of this chapter says, you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. We are ministers. For some people, we are the only link to the divine that they know. Have you ever experienced that in your life? People who say, I just need to be with you. And you're like, okay, let's go to Jesus. Maybe there's a stage where we just go to Jesus together because they haven't received him yet. That's okay. But what we're wanting to do is lead them to the Savior so they can be plugged into that source. But we are their link. We are their link to the divine. And that's what he's called us to. We are reconcilers, a ministry of reconciliation, where we link people to God, where we link people to each other. Reconciliation in a business setting, reconciliation in families where there's strife, wherever. We are these beautiful reconcilers. And as we take the love of God to do this, to bring this, love looks like something. And who knows that that's a Heidi Baker quote. Love looks like like something. And it looks like something on a Monday, exactly like it looks on a Sunday. It's got to be authentic. It's not playing at Christianity in some kind of weird way. Um, The love of Jesus, as we just offer up our lives, open up our hearts, the love of Jesus can embrace others. They can encounter it. They can start to experience it, both in a practical way and in a spiritual way. I love how Jesus went in his ministry. I mean, he showed us exactly what it looks like to live that life. It's wonderful. The woman at the well, that was a drink of eternal, supernatural, spiritual life. But it was also water. His first miracle, miraculous, water into wine. But it was like also wine you could drink, right? Um, miracles, loaves, fishes. You could eat it, but it was also incredible connection with the divine, healings, deliverance. I want to live that life. Do you want to live that life? And I don't care how courageous I've got to be. I don't care how many times I've got to fall on my face. Heidi Baker, how many times did she pray before the first person saw, the blind person saw? And I'm not proclaiming that onto you at all in any kind of way. I, I just really pray for a move of the Spirit where we see things instantly. But you know what? We're in this. We know his power. We want his courage and we want to go for it. We want to take it with both hands, no matter what. Love looks like something. We represent Jesus to others. We want to bring them into not just a ticket for salvation. Okay, okay, you saved? Right, there's your ticket. Go. We want to bring them into the fullness of life in in the spirit, the divine exchange that we're talking about today. Jesus lived the divine exchange. He touched dead bodies and brought them to life. Do you know that the Jewish, in the Jewish tradition, priests were not allowed to touch dead bodies. They were, they were just not allowed to come in contact with the dead other than their own close family. Jesus turned that on its head. He lived in reversal. He touched dead bodies and he brought life. He healed the sick. Wherever he went, he brought a reversal. Instead of darkness, disease and death infecting him, he brought light, 
health, and life. Jesus brought a new dynamic, switching the direction of influence. And we often say, haven't you heard this? Haven't you maybe said it yourself? Oh, I don't like going into that place. The atmosphere is so oppressive. It just feels so demonic. It just feels so unharmonious. Have you ever thought that or felt that or heard that? Anybody? We are the ones who change the atmosphere. Because the Holy Spirit's in us. When we enter a room, when we come into a situation through the Spirit, not obviously through anything in ourselves, but through the Holy Spirit, the atmosphere changes. People are like, oh, it's so cozy here. Oh, it feels happy here. I was once at a physio, and I had my face, you know, in one of those beds, and I said nothing. But she's like, oh, I feel so refreshed. I don't know why I feel refreshed. Holy Spirit. We are the atmosphere changers. We bring a reversal. And we need to be excited, I think, and committed to this heavenly reversal. In closing, to remember that our identity is as favored royal children. We live not in defeat. We are overcomers in him. No, we are not victims. We're victorious. We're not crushed by difficulties. Yes, we have difficulties. We have pain. We have all that stuff. But we're not crushed by it. We're seated in heavenly places. We're not trapped down into that stuff. We are blessed. We are favored. We are filled with the Spirit. Let's embrace his heart. Let's embrace his mission. Let's embrace his mandate. Not just, okay, God, if you want to do it in my life, you can. Let's take it today. I just believe he wants us to take it very intentionally. And then in closing, there are two pictures. At the end, at the end of this beautiful chapter, if you've got your Bibles, verse 10, at the, at the last part of verse 10, says, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. It's a picture of the bridegroom and the bride. And I love this. He's dressed us in these beautiful bridal garments. And this is that picture of the unity, a picture of unity and deep intimacy and oneness with Jesus. Through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, pouring the love and the life of God into our hearts, transforming us from glory to glory into this beautiful, radiant bride. How beautiful is that? Intimate place, filled with his love. And then, Watch the next picture. I just love the way the Spirit made this connection. I've never seen that particularly before. For as the soil, it says in verse 11, as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and prayers spring up before all nations. Come on, out of intimacy, bride and bridegroom, this intimacy of love, Spirit sows seeds. (laughs) <laughs> the seed sown out of intimacy with Jesus by His Spirit conceive something within us, life that grows, that grows and is carried to full term so it can be birthed in a beautiful, strong forest of trees, whatever, to show the glory of God, the glorious bride of Christ arising in power. I think that's just a beautiful picture. Um, and it, I think it's a truth that the Lord wants us to embrace today. And so just to end, I'd just like Alish. It's Alish. If she can, 
I'd just like Alish to play for us. And I'd just like you, wherever you are, to open your heart to the Holy Spirit so that this becomes not just a, a preach. Is Alish available? Well, let's see. But even if you have to do it in silence, that's fine. That you just open your heart to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to personalize some of the things today. Leesh, can you play for us? Thank you. Just that you can quieten yourself and actually just embrace some of what you believe the Holy Spirit is calling you to. Because actually, that's where it really catches fire or it means something. It's when you take it into your heart in some way that becomes personal for you. What are you intentionally taking hold of in this season? What is the Holy Spirit highlighting for you? And I even encourage you, I found it so helpful to even change your position. What is the Holy Spirit? When people encounter the Holy Spirit, sometimes they fell on their faces. Other times the Holy Spirit said, stand up. What is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? Maybe just to open your hands, maybe to get to kneel, Maybe to stand up, maybe to lie on the floor, maybe to dance. What, what is the Holy Spirit calling you to do? Just a new position of your body to receive, to intentionally take, not passively, intentionally take. And this is just an encouragement. You might not be in that place where you can do this, but if you are able to, to intentionally take into the innermost part of your being, your heart, your soul, your mind, this beautiful mandate to become carriers of the good news, the divine exchange, to live in the fullness of that and to say, Holy Spirit, my heart is open. Conceive in me all that you want me to carry and nurture and grow by faith in my heart. Open my spiritual eyes more to what you're showing me, to what you're doing. Give me clearer spiritual insight. May I see you and what you're doing and what you want to do in my life more clearly. Grow it in me. Give birth to it in the world and give me the courage to move out in the power with which you want to anoint me today. Just linger for a few moments. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak clearly and personally to you and intentionally receive. you are speaking to the Lord, to the Spirit, allow also the Spirit to have space to speak to you, to embrace you, pour out His favor on you once again in a new way, anoint you with new power for the season ahead. Maybe even give you words that he speaks or impressions. Just allow him room. Don't be afraid of the space. 
Don't be afraid because nothing is happening. Just enjoy this time with Him.